It was a phone call, a simple 20-minute phone call, but it haunts me to this very day. Now, I do my best to live life facing forward. What I mean by that is I try not to waste a lot of time dwelling on the past, reliving and rehearsing moments from yesterday, wallowing in regret over things that I did or did not do, things I should or should not have done. For the most part, I'm able to avoid these emotional black holes. I try to pick up the pieces, I learn my lesson, I move on. Well, that's what I do most of the time. However, there is one moment in my life that seems to defy my efforts to move on. There's one moment in my life that bubbles up in my mind time and time again. It's a moment that haunts me, a moment that is filled with, re with regret, a moment that I like to revisit, replay, and redo. It's a moment from about 15 years ago in my life. I was about to leave my office for the day when the phone rang. I was walking out the door and I was tempted to just let the answering machine pick it up, but I thought, no, I should stop, I should pick it up. So I did. And on the phone was Tony. Tony attended the congregation I was serving at that time. He was a friend of mine. He and his wife attended a small group that Jan and I led. I had the privilege of leading Tony to Christ one Sunday morning at the end of a service. I knew him well. We were good friends. He and his wife were having some marital difficulties at that time, and it was getting quite serious. We talked about the difficulties for about 20 minutes, and at the end of the call, we were kind of jovial and joking, and we hung up. I thought things were fine, but things weren't fine. The next day, Tony lured his wife into the basement of their home. He shot her in the head and then turned the gun on himself and killed himself. Tony was in an ugly place, uglier than I or anyone else ever realized. He kept it hidden. I had no idea the depth of his depression. I had no idea how dark his days had become. He didn't tell me. He didn't tell anyone. He chose to suffer in silence. Instead of finding a path towards the light, Tony made plans in the dark. And in the end, the darkness overwhelmed him. Tony's final days were dark days. As I look back, how I wish I had paid closer attention. How I wish I had seen a sign. How I wish that he knew that he didn't have to battle alone. That his feelings didn't have to be fatal. That his darkness didn't have to be deadly. How I wish Tony knew that his depression wasn't a sign of sin that he needed to hide, but it was a, an element of reality that could have been helped. How I wish I could have shared with Tony back then what I'm about to share with you today. Today we're beginning a three-week series here at Broadway Church that we're calling Dark Days. It's a series devoted to the topic of depression. Now you say, well, why are we talking about depression right now? We're talking about depression right now because of the intersection of two realities, climate and COVID. Those two are intersecting. If you live in Vancouver, as we do, climate in November is dark and dreary. Usually after uh, Halloween, the, the clouds start to roll in and the rain starts to pour and you can go for weeks without seeing the sun. And then you'll have one glorious day of sunshine and you're reminded why you live in this beautiful place. But then the clouds will roll in again and it can be depressing for weeks at a time. We're separated from one another. 
We can't gather together with family or friends. You can't go out for meals. It's just incredibly depression. And the experts tell us that the levels of depression during COVID are skyrocketing. So we're talking about depression here at Broadway Church. Now, when we use the word depression, what are we talking about? Well, that question isn't as easy to answer as you'd think. When we talk about depression, we're actually talking about a wide spectrum, a wide spectrum that I've, I've tried to depict on your outline today. You see, first of all, one category is what we'll refer to as classical depression. This is melancholy that is generally tied to our behavior. What we mean by that is, it's this type of depression could be generally categorized as feelings that flow from our choices and our challenges. Feelings that flow from our experiences of and responses to things like disappointment, discouragement, disobedience, defeat, and yes, even death. Now, another category is what we'll refer to as clinical depression. Now, this is melancholy that isn't so much tied to our behavior as it is tied to our bodies. This type of depression is generally more often linked to a physical or chemical or psychological route. This type of depression isn't so much tied to a choice that we make as it is tied to a condition that we have. Now, admittedly, these classifications are not precise, and there can be overlapping between them. So as you can see, there's a vast spectrum that is represented by this one word, depression. So do you know what it feels like to battle depression? Do you know the pain of living under a cloud that is constantly dumping sludge on your soul? Do you know what it feels like to live with an inner heaviness? An inner heaviness that weighs upon you every moment of every day, making the simple act of just thinking an incredibly difficult thing to do? Well, if the statistics are true, many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. According to the Canadian Mental Health Association, depression affects people of all ages, education, income, and cultures. In any given year, 20% of Canadians will experience a mental health crisis. Approximately 8% of Canadians will experience a bout with major depression at some time during their lives. 24% of young adults that die in our country die by suicide. 24%. 49% of Canadians have suffered from depression or anxiety, yet have never told their doctor about what they're going through. Why? Why do we do this? Why do we choose to suffer in silence? Well, according to the experts, it's because of a perceived stigma that is attached to depression. When we're walking through dark days, we feel like we're walking all alone, and we believe the lie that we are somehow different from everyone else. We tell ourselves that everyone else is fine, everyone else is coping. We tell ourselves that we are the odd one. Well, that's what we tend to tell ourselves. That's what we tend to believe. But is that actually the truth? Well, in reality, nothing could be further from the truth. Now, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, Darren, well, that may be true of how people outside of the church respond to, re to depression, but surely Christ followers have a very different response. I wish I could agree with you, but I can't. 
It's been my experience over the years that this stigma, this fear, this false view about depression is particularly present in churches. Some Christ followers seem to think that it's legitimate to battle a physical infirmity, yet somehow it's not legitimate to battle a mental infirmity. Diabetes? Get some insulin. Depression? Get over it. Do only weak, wimpy, and worldly people battle thoughts of depression? Can you be living in the light and still have dark days? Well, when you take the time to actually look at the biblical record, you will discover that many giants and heroes of our faith had serious bouts with depression. You say, Darren, how serious? To the degree that some of them wanted their lives to end. You say, no way, that can't be true. It is true. And I'm going to do my best to show you. I'm going to show you today what I wish I could have shown Tony 15 years ago. We're going to see that there are all kinds of different causes of depression. We're going to see that there is absolutely nothing to be ashamed about when we battle depression. We're going to see that godly people can have dark days. And we're also going to see how God responds to us in the midst of our darkness. So let's get right to it. Let's do a quick biblical survey so we can see for ourselves. First of all, did you know that King David battled depression? Yes, even kings battled depression. Now, David is one of the best known characters in the Bible. He's famous for several things. David is the guy who slayed the giant named Goliath. David is the guy who God himself selected to be the king over the nation of Israel. David is the guy who single-handedly rallied the people, led them in battles, and built the nation to its pinnacle of political and uh, military power. David is the guy from whose line the Messiah would eventually come. David is also the guy who is a skilled musician and songwriter. Many of the Psalms written in the Old Testament were written by this man. David was quite the guy, but he wasn't a perfect man. Certainly, there were moments in his life that he would love to take back if he could. But nonetheless, David was and is a biblical hero. He had it all. He had wealth, fame, success, talent. Yet David also had his share of dark days. Now, like every good songwriter, David described his experiences through his lyrics. Psalm 42 is a lyric that many scholars attribute to David. Listen carefully to his words and try to picture the depth of his personal pain. Try to picture what he's trying to describe to you. He says this in Psalm 42. My tears have been my food day and night. Do you hear him? David's saying, I've lost my appetite. I'm constantly weeping. I have a sadness within me that is all-consuming. It is so intense that it has interfered with my ability to function. My tears have been my food for day and night. He went on to say in that psalm, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? David is saying, I feel like I'm all alone. 
I feel like I'm on the losing end of life's battle. I feel like I've been completely forgotten. I feel downcast. I feel disturbed at the very core of my being to the point where it physically hurts. King David, described in the Bible as a man after God's own heart, knew all about what it means to be depressed. King David had dark days. As well, the prophet Elijah battled depression. Elijah lived nine centuries before Jesus. He shaped the history of his day and he dominated Hebrew thinking for centuries afterward. God sent Elijah to the northern part of Israel to challenge and rebuke the sinful King Ahab and his debauched wife, Queen Jezebel. Now, the most famous event in Elijah's life took place on the top of a mountain named Mount Carmel. It was there that Elijah had a showdown with 850 priests of Baal. Baal was this false idol that the king of Israel had allowed to infiltrate the land. Now, it was there that, that Elijah had this showdown, and the showdown was epic. As you read about it in 1 King, Elijah says, okay, let's see which God is true. You prophets of Baal, you, you set up an altar, and I'll set an, up an altar over here, and you call down your God to send fire on your altar, and I'll call down my God to set fire on my altar. Okay, prophets of Baal, you go first. And he let them go first. And so they danced around and nothing happened. They slashed themselves as ways of appeasing their God. Nothing happened. And Elijah the whole time's taunting them. Shout louder, slash deeper. Maybe your God's sleeping. Maybe you have to wake him up. He's laughing as he's watching them suffer in torment. Eventually, they gave up. And then Elijah said, okay, now I'm going to pray to my God. But before I do, pour water all over my altar. Pour water all over the sacrifice. Dig a trench, fill that with water too. So you know that there's no, uh, no uh, I'm not tricking you here. And then Elijah calls down fire and God sends down fire and consumes that altar. Elijah had all 850 prophets of Baal killed. Queen Jezebel was furious, and her reaction set off a chain reaction in Elijah. Listen as the writer of 1 Kings describes Elijah's mental and emotional journey. The writer says this, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I don't make your life like one of them. Now, by the way, that's a threat. A threat from the most powerful woman in the entire nation of Israel. How did Elijah respond? Elijah does what many of us do when battling depression. He withdraws. He isolates himself. Keep reading. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah which is quite south from where he was. He left his servants there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. It appears that Elijah's emotions follow his footsteps. His emotions go from a mountaintop, ex mountaintop experience to a desert experience, and his depression intensifies. Keep reading. He came to a broom bush, which is a type of plant, and he sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. 
and then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. Now in two weeks, we're going to discover how God responded to Elijah's depression. But the truth we want to point out today is simply this. Elijah, one of the greatest prophets in Hebrew history, had some dark days. Thirdly, the prophet Jeremiah battled depression. Actually, saying that Jeremiah battled depression is like saying that Donald Trump battled the media. I mean, it's an understatement. Depression was the theme of Jeremiah's ministry. In fact, he's known as the weeping prophet. He wrote the book of Jeremiah, but he also wrote the book of Lamentations, which means the book of sorrows or the book of weeping. Jeremiah was very familiar with depression. Now, six centuries before Jesus, Jeremiah spent 40 years of his life pleading with a rebellious nation, warning them of God's coming judgment. Jeremiah was a prophet of doom, and he took no pleasure in it because it weighed heavily upon him. In fact, at one point in his life, he wrote that he tried to stop prophesying, but he couldn't do it. The message was just too strong within him. So he continued to share the painful truth that God had revealed to him. And sometimes it took its emotional toll. Listen to what he once wrote as he pondered his life and mission from Jeremiah chapter 20. He wrote this about his own life. Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. In other words, may they strike my birthday off the calendar, he's saying. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, A child is born to you, a, a son. May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning and a battle cry at noon. For he didn't kill me in the womb with my mother as my grave, her womb enlarged forever. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days with shame? That is incredibly sobering. God's prophet, doing God's work, felt utterly overwhelmed. Not because of his sin, but because of the sin of those around him. Jeremiah had some dark days. Number four on your outline, the apostle Paul battled depression. Now, Paul was a missionary, a pastor, a scholar, a leader, an encourager, a writer. Much of what we call the New Testament was written by this man. He gave everything he had to the mission of promoting the good news of Jesus. And he had seen some miracles in his own ministry, including one man at least being raised from the dead. Paul is a spiritual giant in the history of the church. Yet Paul had some dark days. He described one instance in his life where the darkness almost destroyed him. Listen to his words as recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, a letter that he wrote. He said this, Now, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Well, how bad? It was far beyond our ability to endure. Let's stop there for a second. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, I at one time in my life felt such pressure, such pain. The depth of despair was so intense that it was beyond my ability to handle it. I had not merely reached my emotional limit. I had surpassed it. It was beyond my ability to endure. No, no, keep reading. Paul says, the depression was so intense that we despaired even of life. 
Indeed, we felt like we had received the sentence of death. Paul, the man who wrote much of the New Testament, just told us at one point of his life the days were so dark that he felt hopeless, that he was convinced he was destined to die at any moment. Paul had some dark days. All right. We began a few moments ago by asking some straightforward questions. We said, do only weak, wimpy, and worldly people battle thoughts and feelings of depression? Can you be living in the light and still have dark days? So far, we've seen that King David battled depression. The prophet Elijah battled depression. The prophet Jeremiah battled depression. The apostle Paul battled depression. And this brings us to our final and perhaps most shocking example. Jesus battled depression. You say, no way. Let me show you. Jesus of Nazareth, God who took on human flesh, experienced depression. People tend to think of Jesus as some type of robotic superman, detached from the experiences of the emotional highs and lows that you and I have. This is not how the biblical writers described him. The prophet Isaiah portrayed him in these terms. I quote, He was despised and rejected by mankind. He was a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Now that was originally written in Hebrew. And that word suffering was the Hebrew word for physical and mental pain. The word pain there, it was the Hebrew word that included and covered the concept of grief. Jesus was truly God, but he was also truly human. He had the same range of emotions that you and I have. The writer of Hebrews put it this way, and I quote from Hebrews 4. Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. No, we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he didn't sin. Do you have dark days? Jesus can empathize with you. Now, the depth of the darkness that Jesus experienced was on display at one of the most stressful moments of his life, in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the night he was betrayed and then arrested. Listen to the words that Mark used to describe what others witnessed, and listen to the words that Jesus used to describe what he himself was feeling. Mark wrote this, they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He then took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Now stop there for a moment. Reread those words. Reread what Mark just described. Jesus began to be deeply distressed and troubled. According to Mark, Jesus wasn't just mildly irritated. Jesus was deeply distressed. Now, the word in the original language here means to be out of your senses. Mark described Jesus as being in an emotionally fragile state. According to Mark, Jesus wasn't calm. Jesus was troubled. This word means a feeling of emotional heaviness. 
Jesus was emotionally fragile. Jesus had a heavy heart. Now that's how Mark described how things appeared on the outside. Now look how Jesus described what he was feeling on the inside. Jesus said, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Imagine with me that you're sitting at a Starbucks or a Tim Hortons or a McDonald's. You're sitting at a restaurant across the table from a good friend of yours. They've been going through some difficult, stressful times, and so you made an appointment to sit down with them. You're just checking in on, checking in on them. And you've got your coffees or your teas that you're drinking, and then you finally say, so tell me, how are you doing? Your friend looks across the table to you, and your friend says, how am I doing? My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. What would you say at that moment? Pass the salt? I don't think so. You hear something like that and you're traumatized. This is serious. You're going to want to let somebody know. Your friend is in a dire situation. That's what Jesus said. He said, my soul, the very core of my being, is overwhelmed with sorrow. Those three words are just one word in the original Greek language that this was written in. It's paralupos. Para meaning all around. It's like we get the word periscope, where, where it's a scope that turns all around in a submarine. Periscope. Para means all around. Jesus said, my soul is paralupos. Lupos is the word for sorrow. In other words, Jesus is saying, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Everywhere I turn, everywhere I look, all I see is sorrow. I am completely surrounded and engulfed by sorrow. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. How bad, Jesus? To the point of death. Jesus said, I feel like there's no escape. There's no escape from this life-threatening feeling of intense sadness and sorrow. It is so emotionally intense that I am on the edge of a physical breakdown. I feel it to the point of death. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, God in flesh, the Savior of the world, was battling depression. King David battled. The prophet Elijah battled. The prophet Jeremiah battled. The apostle Paul battled. And amazingly, Jesus battled. What makes us think that we won't have battles of our own? So how should we battle? What should we do when we find ourselves in the emotional trenches? These are the things that we're going to discuss as we continue in this series. Next week, my wife Jan, someone I greatly respect on this subject, someone who has personally experienced the depths of depression in her family and in her own life, is going to share her story. But today, we're going to conclude by answering one last quick, simple question. Where is God when we are in this battle? King David wrote this in Psalm 34. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Look at those two terms he used, the brokenhearted, crushed in spirit. Is that you? Do you feel like your heart is broken? Do you feel like your spirit is crushed? Do you feel like you're standing in the middle of shattered shards of debris of life? Are you just broken down and crushed? Are you depressed in the depths of your being? If so, the Lord is close to you and he will save you in the midst of your depression. 
And that brings us to today's big idea where we sum up the teaching in one phrase. Here's today's big idea. Depression is a well-worn path. You are never walking it alone. I'm going to say that again. Depression is a well-worn path. You are never, never walking it alone. When you walk the path of depression, you are not blazing a new trail. Depression is a well-worn path. Many have walked it before you. Many are walking it with you. God himself is beside you. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. You are never walking alone. Now hear me. I don't know the depths that you're feeling or the despair that you're enduring. I just want to tell you what I wish I could have told my friend Tony. You are not alone. You are not abandoned. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Depression is a well-worn path. You are never walking it alone. King David walked it. Elijah walked it. Jeremiah walked it. Paul walked it. Jesus walked it. Millions of others have walked it and are walking it right now. So right where you are at this very moment, he's with you. There's hope. There's help. There's healing. There is a way forward. There's a way out of the darkness. There is a way home. So let me help you take that first step right now. Can I pray with you and for you right now? Wherever you are, let's bow our heads together. God, you see the depth of my life right now. You see the darkness that I'm feeling. You see my desperation. I feel hopeless. I feel alone. God, if I'm honest, I feel like you've abandoned me. But I'm willing to believe what the Bible says, that you are close to the brokenhearted, that you will save those who are crushed in spirit. God, I need to sense your closeness. I need to be saved right now. So fill me with hope. Fill me with light. Fill me with your life. Fill me with your spirit. Give me the courage to tell somebody about the depression that I'm feeling right now. To tell somebody about the hopelessness, the darkness that I'm enduring. And with every head bowed still as you're watching, maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity right now. Again, continue to pray this with me. God, I don't just want a band-aid right now in my depression. I want a new life. I turn my back on my old way of living. I don't want to live that way anymore. I know I've rebelled against you. I know I have what the Bible calls sinned. I've rejected you. I ask you to forgive me. And based on what you did, Jesus, for me, based on your life, your death, and your resurrection, I accept your gift of forgiveness in eternal life. So come and dwell within me now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Change me. Transform me from the inside out from this moment forward. And help me to tell somebody about this decision, even before my head hits the pillow tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me to become a follower of Jesus, or if you just need to chat with someone or help uh, someone help you take the next step in your journey, 
on our outline today, we've listed some different places and numbers that you could contact. If you're feeling suicidal, if you're feeling some real depths of depression, we've shown some links there that you can follow up. Or right now on the screen, there's a number that you can text if you'd like someone to just chat with you or help you or help you take the next step in your journey to follow Jesus. God bless you, folks. Thank you for being with us today. Next week, we're going to continue in our series called Dark Days. God bless you.